Hello and welcome to the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power. I'm Andrew Slavin and it only took one match day for there to be absolute carnage at a Premiership football ground. It's safe to say Rangers enjoyed their last minute winner at Kilmarnock. Sadly for St Johnston, the only thing getting overcrowded at Celtic Park was the score sheet. There might be one less person at Pataudry as Scott McKenna hands in a transfer request. Later on, we speak to a player who left St Mirren this week, Scottish Cup winner Greg Tanzi. We'll be joined by Cove Rangers striker and a man with the best name in football, Mitch Megginson, is on the podcast. It's Friday and alongside me in the studio, Telegraph writer and qualified football coach, JJ Poole. Hello, Andrew Slavin. You're not qualified for much, but you can coach people at football. That's correct. And 1.3 should, level. And should JJ move into management, the man sitting next to him will be waiting to bring him down. European football journalist extraordinaire. It's Kieran Canning back in the studio. I hope bringing down by a yeah, critique of his terrible management style rather than being the coach of the opposition team, because <laughs> otherwise we've got no chance. Welcome back, Kieran. How are you? Very well. Thank you very much. Did you have a good summer? I did. Tournament-free summer for me for once, which was quite nice. Where did you go? What did you do? Uh, I've just been on holiday see? to Croatia. And uh, I uh, was working at, at things like the Cricket World Cup. Oh, oh my God. Yeah, I know. Do you know the rules of cricket? I do, yeah. Do you? I think... Uh, they keep trying to put it on me down here, but I'm not... I, I'm the same it. as well. I just keep telling people... I, I, I kind of feel Scotland doesn't do cricket, but I've also found out that Scotland has the most cricket clubs well, that's in that. Britain. But it goes countries. to show that it's not just football, but it's something in the Scottish psyche that Scotland should have qualified for the Cricket World Cup, <laughs> but it rained for like... 10 minutes and then we came back on and lost the wicket and lost on a thing called Duckworth-Lewis methods which meant we didn't qualify for the World Cup which shows that it doesn't matter football, cricket, tennis, mm. whatever we are uh, we love the glorious failure the fact of the matter is that the one thing I do remember is that we did beat England like two summers ago so yes they won it so technically Scotland are world champions this is just like 66 isn't it get it right speaking, up them speaking of world champions <laughs> uh, when we recorded last week uh, it was a few hours before Fort William achieved an historic victory. We're winning their first game in what eight hundred and forty days, I think it yeah. was. Yeah, my god, absolutely brilliant. Five goals to two over Nairn County in the North of Scotland Cup. Your Nairn is the fastest town in Scotland. What, how do you mean that? Nairn. Oh, JJ. That's not mine. That's a saying in Scotland. Oh, please, let's move on. <laughs> Forest is on well against Sirachi. Brilliant from Forrest. He's picked out Kieran Tierney. He goes for goal. Finds the corner of the net. And Celtic spring into life. 11 minutes in. And it's one of their heroes, Kieran Tierney, who finds the far corner. And Celtic a winner. The big transfer news in Scotland this week is the departure of Kieran Tierney from Celtic to Arsenal. At £25 million, Tierney becomes the most expensive Scottish player of all time. So we're joined now by James McNicholas, a.k.a. Gunner Blog, now writing for The Athletic. James, Tierney has been linked with Arsenal all summer, but it's not just this summer that Arsenal have been interested, has it? No, it's been a really long pursuit for Arsenal, for Kieran Tierney. They've been waiting and waiting and they've finally got their man, and, and it doesn't just mean this window. In fact, their interest in Tierney dates back to 
pre-Unai Emery, pre uh, the director of football, Raul Sanyehi, dates back to Arsene Wenger's time. Uh, when Steve Rowley was heading up scouting and recruitment, they became aware of Tierney as a teenager when he was on the fringes of the Celtic first team. And uh, they followed him all this time. And I think they've chosen to make their move now. I think what makes him really appeal to Arsenal right now is that they played predominantly with a back three last season with wing backs. But I think this summer, the indications are that Unai Emery would like to switch to a back four. And I think they see Kieran Tierney as someone who's maybe more suited to playing in that system. He's someone who is a proven winner at such a young age. Uh, I think his age is a big factor in the deal as well. You know, this is a guy who could yet improve, could yet increase in value, and that makes it a good investment. I also think for Arsenal, it's a bit of a departure to sign uh, a British player. You know, they haven't done so much of that in recent years, and they've lost a lot of their, their recent British signings, you know, the likes of... Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, Aaron Ramsey, Carl Jenkinson's left this summer, Theo Walcott a couple of years ago. And, you know, as someone who, who knows the British game, is used to that kind of thing and has played in Europe as well with Celtic. So for his age, he's got tremendous experience. It seems like Arsenal have been lowballing Celtic in terms of their offers this summer. And there are many up in Scotland who feel people don't value the talent up here. Um, what do you say to that? Well, I think that's probably correct. I mean, when you look at some of the transfer fees that are going round for fullbacks this summer, I mean, you think of Aaron Wan-Bissaka going to Manchester United for, you know, double what Arsenal are going to pay for Tierney. It does feel cheap. I have to say that. And I think that, you know, that's why Arsenal probably were also looking at it, because if you want to sign a player from a Premier League club, you probably end up paying sort of double your money. Uh, so I, I understand the feelings of Celtic fans there. And obviously Arsenal came in even lower than they've ended up doing. I think for them, a big thing this summer was structure of deals. You know, their budget was relatively limited. So it was all about, can we get these players without having to put massive down payments this summer? Uh, if you look at their other signings, someone like Nicolas Pepe, actually up front, it's not costing them a great deal. It's paid over the next five years or so in instalments. And I think that was always the issue between Celtic and Arsenal. They've obviously come to an accord uh, and it involves Arsenal going that little bit further. But I think at this point in the window, especially with them choosing to sign David Luiz at centre-half rather than some of the more expensive alternatives, they could push the boat out and make sure they got Tierney in. And they'll be delighted. I mean, obviously, he's not going to be fit right away for the start of the season. But I think as soon as he is, he'll go straight into that Arsenal first team. You're listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power. The Premiership weekend kicks off at Fort Park at noon on Saturday. It's been a mixed summer at Celtic, but what a statement they made last Saturday, guys. 7-0 winners over St Johnston on match day one. Can Motherwell stop the champions, though? There was only one meeting between the sides last season at Fort Park, and it ended all square. Could yeah. it happen again? I think the circumstances of the game coming between two big qualifiers for Celtic gives Motherwell a better chance than you know if Celtic had a, a week to prepare. I think that was actually quite important for last weekend that they had the the Nomi Calview game wrapped up in the first leg so they could rest almost the entire team in midweek and be ready and fit and firing. And, and absolutely really thrash St Johnson. Like they were absolutely hopeless. What the hell were they doing? It was a bit odd watching St Johnston just kind of... They're so passive, just letting them run at them. It, it could have been more than the seven and, as well. And, and let them just shoot from anywhere as well. I know Christy scored a hat-trick from outside the box. Let's talk Motherwell's chances of trying to limit the champions. They haven't conceded a goal yet in competitive action for five games now. 
They've obviously got Declan Gallagher in from Livingston, who had a good season last time round. Do we fancy Motherwell to hold Celtic at Fir Park? It's going to be different. I can't I think... tell because of the back of what Celtic did to St Johnston. I, can't, I mean, St Johnston were hopeless. But... but we're basically saying that St Johnston played a big part in Celtic scoring seven goals. So. Sure. But Motherwell, they, I mean, it was nil-nil with Livingston, but they had a lot of chances and were playing some, some nice football. I mean, the thing is that we were saying last week, like, it'd be nice if um, Robinson's got them playing passing football that they were kind of getting into after the break last season. And then kickoff was a, a hauk. <laughs> they won a corner off of those straight away. Like that's, I mean, it's, it is very territory-ish, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But it's also how much was that playing on that pitch as well? Were they sort of adapting themselves to the conditions? I think maybe I just getting straight at Libby, like let's get him straight away from the start. I think expectations have to. Be, I was quite surprised in quite a lot of the pre-season predictions. I saw like pundits putting Muddle up to sort of challenge for third and fourth and things like that. And I think that was way too much of an overreaction to how they'd played in the League Cup games when, again, they were playing, they were thrashing them, but, you know, lower league opposition. Mm-hmm. I think they'll again be in that fight for the top six, but probably behind Hearts, Hibs and, and Aberdeen. But they, they do seem to, I mean, certainly more based off the League Cup games, they seem to have, like, recruited reasonably well again. Obviously, they're missing Turnbull at the moment, and that'll be another big boost for them when, when he comes back. But this is always quite a difficult game for, for Celtic going away from home. And as I said before, I think that the, the circumstances of an early kickoff in between two qualifiers, we don't know what sort of team Celtic are going to put out. I would think Muddle have got a good chance of at least getting a point. A few notes ahead of this game. Jake Carroll uh, being suspended after his yellow card against Livingston was upgraded to a red by the SFA. It's kind of 50-50, but he studs up and it's pretty in the, in the same horrible. way if you walk up to someone in the street and murder them that's 50-50 yeah. that is overkill <laughs> he's sort of lying down crouching and then launches into it's like when you hold down on Street Fighter and push the hard kick button yeah it's that just that last he just he overstretches but he'd still not plant his studs into the opposition player's knee <laughs> Which is quite unnecessary. Yeah, I think that's that's the kind of thing that should be a red card. Although it's kind of it's not this well. Is it disconcerting that the SV have already started overturning referee decisions and upgrading them, or is it actually a sign that they've got better because they've got that correct? Yeah, and that was something that wasn't given a red card and deserved to be. Whereas quite often last season they were very much doing the opposite and reversing good decisions of what yeah. should be a red card and giving them a yellow. One thing Motherwell might be worried about is um, Ryan Christie. Uh, six goals and four starts, hat trick against St Johnston, and all three of them outside the box. So the midfield might want to tie him down a little bit. Ryan Christie is unbelievably good. Like he was really good at Aberdeen. Even he was great at Inverness when he was there. But I've heard a few kind of pundits and folk tipping him to be player of the season. One of my friends called it as well. Totally on board with that. He's legit. Well, he was. He's, so, he's, he's someone that might also benefit. From, I know he started to play well last season before Rogers left. I think he probably get the team before that. And then... But I actually might benefit from the way Lennon does want to play. I mean, there's a lot made of this idea that you know, Lennon wants to play a more direct style, and it's not by the direct. They don't mean lumping the ball forward, yeah. but just moving the ball quicker. Chrissy's said that he's being encouraged by Lennon to shoot. Basically, almost when he ever gets the the opportunity, as we saw in the on Saturday. Yeah. But he might have realised that St Johnston weren't defending. So oh, yeah, yeah, there is, there, I mean, that. there's all caveats about that. But the way he's played in the European games as well, he also maybe I don't know it was a horrible injury for him to get at the back end of last season. But he's one of the few Celtic dumb ball. Yeah, few Celtic players to murder him. Yeah. Actually, had a break. I mean, you look at the fact that someone like Callum McGregor, for example, played over sixty games for a club in country last season, then had like. 
less than two weeks off and was straight back into it again. Yeah. Whereas at least he's had that bit of a break and looks completely refreshed and, and revitalised by it. A lot was made this time last year of Celtic missing out on John McGinn and how much that looks like a mistake now. But actually, Christie would have probably left Celtic had they signed McGinn last summer. Rangers v Hibs on Sunday. Safe to say Rangers fans celebrated their winner at Kilmarnock like they'd won the league. Um, they spilled out of the Chadwick stand. The roof of a shelter covering disabled supporters collapsed and one man was injured. Rangers put a statement to say there was congestion and problems before the game due to problems with Kilmarnock's ticketing system. And surprise, surprise, Kilmarnock said it was all the Rangers fans' fault. So it's like, when you talked about the uh, the upgrading of the red cards, it's one week in. This is also one week in and we're straight back to the hot topic of last season. It's a bit mental, but I, I kind of want us to just focus on the football, really. I it's... think it's important we mention this bit outside, though, because it is relevant, right? Now, none of us were there, so... This is second-hand journalism, which is not ideal. No. But from videos that you've, you can see of what happens, there's uh, lots of Rangers fans queuing. Uh, they can't get into the game, which has already kicked off, so they're in a bit of a rush. There's people at the front of it, kids as well. I mean, I have read, haven't seen it, who have been taken out of this crush, which would be terrifying being in a crush. Mm. But it's people queuing to get into a thing, and they're rushing, and then they open a gate from inside and storm in. So Killy probably have some questions to answer about how that happened and how that's, how that's police, that could be the police matter, it's a weird kind of thing. But then Rangers go in, singing sectarian songs again, right from the start, uh, jumping on things, smashing the place up, it happens at other grounds as well. At some point Rangers need to say things and take, ex- well, not responsibility, responsibility. I was going to say, that, they've that's got what, to take responsibility for it. The reason I was bringing that up, you know, Kamarnock playing Rangers fans, Rangers say it was Kamarnock's fault, both clubs release statements, neither of them taking any responsibility. Yeah. Rather than saying Kamarnock saying, we will look into this, investigate, because apparently there were ticketing problems the Kilmarnock fans were saying at the Connors Key match because they were using the example saying we had problems getting in but you didn't see us storming in or pushing to get in and causing yeah. a crush so there's clearly an issue there they have to look at they have to look at their policing they have to look at the stewarding was, there was a lot of claims that the stand that Rangers fans were in was far too full now was that fans forcing their way in without tickets or was it oversold for the, the stand was it unsafe basically and, and, and Rangers fans answer that, but we don't know. Yeah, and then Rangers fans have to, you know, and Rangers and the club and, and fans in general have to look at their behaviour in terms of people that did go without tickets, forcing their way in. Uh, the sectarian thing, as you say, I mean, it was Rangers fans that were in the disabled section. They were really putting their own fans at risk by the way they over celebrated the goal. But again, it just seems to be deflection and uh, it wasn't our fault. It's very scary, um, all this stuff. But you can understand the, the, the players and, and fans at that goal celebrating oh, yeah, so so fervently. Yeah. Um, purely, because, purely, purely because they, they lost both their league visits to Rugby Park last season. So they're a yeah. huge scalp now, Kilmarnock. Um, and and important, and important for Rangers in their pursuit to, to stop Celtic. So you can understand a lot of it. It's just that it got unsavoury and you want both teams to just take a bit of responsibility it's, for like these Like you saying, it's a massive goal, right? Especially if last season started to Audrey got a draw, like not ideal for them. This one here is huge. Rangers looked not incredible in this game. Yeah, I think more. This is a big when you talk about you know, as significant how they played, but just mentally, this is a huge win for Rangers because Gerard was also talking before the game, and he was a bit mocked for this. But I can see what you're saying that 
if Rangers and Celtics games ended in the 85th or 86th minute last season, Rangers would have won the league on, on those points. And the point I think he was trying to make was that Rangers had to play for 90 minutes. They lost so many stupid late points That's last season. Points and last and minutes, you yeah. talked about like the first game of the season last season. It's a, well. a perfect example, right? So if you can turn those points lost into points won, as Celtic very much did last season with a load of late winners, that could be massive come the end of the season. Well, it's, it's Gerard versus Heckenbottom, Hibbs. I've got Scott Allen in the squad now, and he scored a very important goal for them. It's a very well-taken goal as well. Yeah, he's, he's going to be a key player. How do you see this game panning out between both teams? It's interesting because Kamarnik tried to kick them a lot in the second half, and I don't know if Hibbs will do that. I like the start of the season because you sort of work out how the teams are going to play each other and Heckenbottom plays really nice football but even he knows that Rangers probably have better individual players there's a few that really stood out Well they did Hibs obviously played good football but they only beat St Mirren who were yeah, big I relegation think, candidates sti- last season Stylistically sure. this game could be very interesting because Rangers at Camarot kind of followed on a trend from last season where Rangers struggle quite a lot against teams that put a lot of men behind the ball defend narrowly and deep force Rangers to break them down basically normally from what we've seen of Heckenbottom's hips they're not going to play like that and very much on, on Saturday they struggled they, they were the dominant team loads of the ball struggling to break down St Byrne got there in the end it'll be interesting to see if Heckenbottom adjusts goes with a much more defensive counter-attacking game plan because I think that could really could cause Rangers problems but if he goes for it and is a bit more open uh, I think that Rangers will probably have too much for them because they've had a whole summer of coaching they had a whole year of coaching with Gerard. they've got new players in some of them are quite tidy looking at um, Che Ojo looks like a really good sign in it'd be interesting to see how, how good Rangers really are The football shirt is not a billboard Paddy Power knows the very best way to sponsor a team is by unsponsoring them that's why we're launching the Save Our Shirt campaign and that's why Huddersfield Town's kit won't have our logo on it at all don't you wish we weren't on your shirt? Paddy Power, save our shirt. On Spotify, smart speaker and podcast platforms everywhere, this is the Totally Scottish Football Show from Muddy Knees Media. St Mirren host Aberdeen on Sunday and we're delighted to welcome a man who has played for both clubs. In fact, he announced his departure from St Mirren just last weekend. It's former Scottish Cup winner Greg Tanzi. Greg, we know it's been a difficult time recently. There's a great interview with you uh, in the press and journal, which we urge listeners to go and have a read online. And it all started with this hernia operation in your Aberdeen days. Can you give us a bit of background on that? Yeah, well, basically, I, I was through the door in Aberdeen. Uh, you know, I, I was enjoying life there, you know, really enjoying playing the Europa League and, and, and we would start the season well and, and things were going good. I was feeling my way into the club and then I got a little niggle on my right groin. Probably six footballers out of a squad, probably ten, would have had this operation. You know, it was a, it's a routine operation. You normally have for three to four weeks max. Where, um, I got it done, came home from the surgery. There wasn't a very good job done on it, put it that way. Um, and gradually got worse. December time, I was given a steroid injection to my pelvis because you thought I had osteitis pubis and basically that didn't work. It made it worse, if anything. I went on the to Ross County just to try and maybe have a fresh set of eyes look on it and hopefully get playing at some some stage of that season. And 
nothing happened. Um, you know, Ross County were absolutely fantastic. I couldn't thank them enough. The physio there saw a few alarming things in the groin area, sent me away to um, Professor Lloyd, Dan Lester, who worked on me and he opened me up and, and found that the, the mesh that was put in to cover the hernia was six centimetres too high in my stomach and the hernia was still there, which, you know, if you carry on playing with that, it's going to cause you some pain and no doubt it did. You know, I was struggling to get out of bed at times. How, how at times old were you at this time, Greg? When, how, how long ago was this? 28, just turned 29 when I found this, found this out. It got to a stage where, you know, I was in pain and, and, and things like that. I was, you know... You, <laughs> You start feeling worse, start feeling for lumps, yeah. and that's when the surgeon found that the, the the mesh was too high and the hernia was still there, which which was unfortunate. That was then repaired by Professor Lloyd again. How has this impacted your life, not just as a footballer, but you know, with the doubt of what's going on with professionals that are meant to be looking after you? How does that affect you mentally? Never mind not being able yeah, to play football. It's been it's been hell. It's, you just don't know to trust. I love football. I, I'm 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 a footballer at heart. I, like I, I love the game. I'd I'd go and watch games even if I didn't play professional football. I'd be a season ticket holder. You know, I support Everton. I'm back in Liverpool now. I support Everton. I'd be a season ticket holder there. You know, I'm that type of guy. Like I, I love football, but it's just honestly, it leaves a little. A bit of taste in your mouth a little bit and think you just sort of feel, you know, footballers are commodities. At the end of the day, we know this from day one. You, you know, going in, you know, you're bought and sold like cattle, really. And that's the way it is. You know, you, if, you're not, if you're not good enough at a certain club, you're out. And someone else will come in and you'll go somewhere else. If they don't want you, you'll go somewhere else. But for this to happen and it to be taken out of your hands, it felt very odd. You were faced with having to pay for another operation, but this was on your own. There was no yeah. support elsewhere, um, which no. might surprise some of our listeners. You, you had to pretty much, you were on your own, weren't you? Yeah, well, I was at St. Mary at the time, and when you have a lot of operations in the same place, there's a possibility you can contract something called osteomyelitis, um, which I did contract. And what um, is that exactly? Like the bone infection, basically, and I had a caught in my pelvis. I was okay at St. Mirren. You know, I was okay, and I was gradually getting my fitness back. And I remember, there was a game against Hearts. You know, I felt as close to being back to full fitness as I had been for two years. It was only three, four days after that that I could feel it the day before in training, but then I got out of bed the next day, and I thought, I thought no. Same pain was there at St Mirren. So how how are you now, Greg? Can you play football again now? Yeah, yeah, I'm fit now. I'm fit now. Um, I've been training, doing my own sort of pre-season on my own here in Liverpool. My agents working on it, talking to clubs, and you know, hopefully there'll be a few options out there. But we had numerous conversations with St Mirren, and you know, because they had to cut the cloth accordingly. You know, they they can't afford operations here, there, and everywhere. That was one, that was another hard one to take. To be honest, it was sort of the icing on the cake, really. And mentally, it's been it's been tortured. To be honest, I, I, I'll be fair from to say it's it's not been easy. PFA have been great. I'd, I'd advise anyone who's going through, you know, something like this. Someone on the phone, or you can go and visit visit someone. Mm-hmm. Just someone to talk to, and just someone to 
to sort of bounce ideas off and, and, and just tell people how you're feeling, really. It helped me massively. You know, the worst thing you can do is just sit there and just dwell over what's happening. You need to get out there and sort of keep busy, really. I know there's a, you've got a couple of positives as well coming up because as I told you on Twitter, I mean, you've already won the Europa League with my Aberdeen team of football manager, so that's one thing. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we know you can play at the highest level. But also, yeah. um, you're told that you're back at Liverpool now and you're getting married next summer. So yes, congratulations yes, for that. Congratulations. Oh, yeah, thanks. 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 Some some goods came out of this year, I suppose. So I don't want to be tempting for it, but hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, yeah. Some <laughs> comes out of this year. Well, can we, so, uh, can we see, you back, see you back in Scotland at some point soon, do you think? Yeah, well, I mean, as I said, I'm I'm open to offers. Open to offers, you know, I've... The reason I haven't been into a club is I had to wait until I felt fully fit. I didn't want to go in. Yeah. Because I don't I, I've only had the operation about five weeks ago. And it's just now, it's just now I'm feeling I'm feeling good. The surgeon who operated on me gave me the go ahead to just, you know, you go for it. We'll see where it goes. We'll see where it goes. It's certainly not the way I wanted it to be, but I'm just trying to trying to make the most of a bad situation that's been put on me, really. Yeah, Greg, listen. Stay positive, like we're we're all behind you, and we hope it all goes really in the right direction that. for you. Yeah, so, thanks so much for talking to us. Like. Really, really interesting. I think a lot of people sometimes forget that being a footballer isn't as glamorous and uh, sexy. Sometimes there's a lot of difficult things that go behind the scenes. So, really appreciate your honesty with us. It was really good to see oh, you. no problem, guys. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. So, guys, St Mirren v Aberdeen on Sunday. A bit of a blow for Aberdeen this week when Scott McKenna reportedly handed in a transfer request that happened on Monday. Maybe he's off to Celtic or Celtic are interested. Well, it's a weird one. So Aberdeen value about, I think it's about 10 million it looks like, which makes sense when you consider all McBurney is worth 20. I mean, that would make McKenna something close to 90 billion. But <sighs> kind of out the blue, he's got a five-year deal. He's a very, very good centre-back. Uh, Celtic have wanted him for a while they keep offering buttons so that's not going to happen it's good uh, timing with a European game coming up yeah that's the thing so, so McKenna was on the plane to Croatia what strikes me as strange about the McKenna thing especially when we're talking about how the fact he has travelled handing the transfer request when he did suggests to me that it was an English club because their transfer window shuts early and there must be a desperation there to try and force it but the fact he's yeah. gone to Croatia makes you think that oh he might have another three weeks to play with for a Celtic or who knows maybe even well, a foreign that's the club thing, yeah. if it is Celtic and they're at this nonsense again when they're doing this I'll give you three million and a pint or something like that. I'll, I'll buy a pint next time I see you that kind of thing Caramel wafer they're not, they're not <laughs> going to do it Aberdeen have all the cards they've got a five year deal on them he's a great player I also I don't think Celtic would be going for him unless Simonovic is off as has been suggested to Lille but he played in the the European game Wednesday so because if you look at Celtic centre-back situation now they've signed Julian they've got Ayer if Simonovic stays they've got Simonovic El Hamed can also play centre-back so I'm, I think they're pretty well stocked at centre-back now so I'd be surprised if it's Celtic Aberdeen are not letting go of this man Sam Cosgrove Ballon d'Or Ballon d'Or <laughs> it goals already this season by the way he is, he is, the, he is the Scottish League Harry Kane for me I cannot believe <laughs> the transformation this boy like, on it, and it's not just me so watching him if you watch him live when he first came in, into the team over however long it's been now a, a season and a half maybe two seasons honestly he was useless 
when he first started. He didn't have anything to him. And he's basically got everything now. He can hold it up. He's got pace. He can run. It's finish against Hearts, the, f- the first goal. Classy, it was wasn't it? superb. Yeah, it was like, classy. So well taken, but he's confident. But it's not just a rush of form, because he's scored something meant like 27 and 32, I think it is. Something... Some huge amount yeah, of it's, it's, Given it's the, the fictitious bid for Morelos that came from China, <laughs> then surely like, Aberdeen should be holding out for about you know six hundred million in the Chinese market. It was a bit of a punt on Cosgrove. We'd seen him. Um, I think he was at Carlisle, and he'd kind of wandered around the non-league kind of circuit a little bit. Played for North Ferriby, who didn't exist and now exist again. Just these little farming clubs, and now he's at Aberdeen. Which, if you think when he was roaming around non-league he could be at a club like Aberdeen he's scoring Europa League hat-tricks yeah yeah it's, it's absolutely but it's, nuts it's, it's like what did you say it's, it's his goal-scoring record in the first like year 18 months at Aberdeen there's one in like it's terrible but, games, yeah. but it's but like any young player it's all about confidence if he is full of confidence yeah. the only thing that can stunt him is a big injury and it's the thing as well right so Aberdeen the, the budget that they've got they have to go for players that need a bit of development to turn them into these next, you know, you say like, football manager, you buy a wonder kid, turn them into something, and you sell them on. So that's what they've got. Says a lot from McInnes's managerial ability, really, because he stuck by him when I was gonna say a lot of people were cynical. Pretty much everyone was cynical over what ability he did have. I didn't see it. Yeah, uh, I know you're saying that teams like Aberdeen have to go for the sort of rough diamond element. Normally, you see something. Normally, it's either he has great pace or can hold the ball up you have to work in his finishing or something like that but for every aspect of his game to come on so significantly yeah it was really impressive yeah, one thing there. one thing JJ didn't see coming also was um, a five goal thriller at Pataudry you thought it going to be 0-0 not bad at predicting things yeah <laughs> I think we, we, we could all say that uh, we saw a McInnes v Levine five goal thriller on the cards I never saw it like, a what? it was such a good game oh my god it was good so the first goal was Sammy Cosgrove Beautiful finish, and then it all started to go a bit wrong. However, fortunately for Aberdeen, young Aaron Hickey, who we've been talking up, 16 year old, I think he's still 16, isn't he? Left back. Uh, he played very well in the cup last year. He's 17. 17 now, so he does. The laws of age apply two to of him the too. Most, <laughs> two of the most ridiculous challenges to get yellow cards. That's first I think made I've sense. Scott Wright was going to get away from him. You could say, well. yeah, cynical, but you know, took the yellow card. Yeah. The second one is. Ridiculous. And then the winner, what a hit. <laughs> a boy Ryan Hedges. I love those goals. Yeah. There's no way McGinn means the little touch he does to that team up, but some some goal. And well, that's it's a great start to the season. Well their their opponent, St. Mirren, um didn't get off to a good start. It was a losing start for Jim Goodwin in the premiership. Four deputants in that defeat, all of whom had been there in a matter of days. Um he's already said he's he's disappointed with the transfer activity, but to have you know, players coming in still. Yeah, he's he's obviously still trying to figure out what what he's got. He's, the worst. I, mean, I think the St. Mirren fans probably feared a lot worse than a one nil defeat away to Hibs with you know a late goal. But again, it just feels as if St. Mirren shooting themselves in the foot because they just stayed up by the skin of their teeth last season in a penalty shootout in the playoff because they got off to such a terrible start and had such a terrible summer in terms of the recruitment under Alan Stubbs and him leaving after like four league games. And now they've just almost gone and done the same thing over again with another managerial change, another raft of new players coming in at the last minute with no sort of clear plan of what they want to do. The, scout, the scouting network's like there, because it's the same thing. And it's really hard to attract players to teams like St Mirren that are going to be the quality good enough to take them up. They need ones who are good enough to keep them where they are, really, at the moment. And even then, you don't just sign too many because you're going to cause all sorts of problems for yourself and put yourself in the... And like all the ones they signed before on really short-term deals... 
It's it's weird. Like, uh, I mean, they did well to keep Hibernian quiet, but what I, are they going to do? I think what's important for St Mirren is a bit of stability. They've got Jim Goodwin in, who's came from Alloa. He kept Alloa part-time club in the Scottish Championship. And he knows the club very well. And he, he knows the club very, very well. It's not like last season when you had the chairman of St Mirren, Gordon Scott, giving interviews before the season started saying we should be looking to finish in the top six. I think that reality has kind of came to the club and they can think about things with thought and, and knowing that Jim Goodwin is a manager they want to keep well, around I've got a solution for them though. Ronald Junio is currently basically bankrupt, so he needs some money, needs a club. <laughs> Could you not just love to see Ronaldinho? He's been linked there before. Has he? Yeah. Well, there you go. See? Ronaldinho. When was I'm this? I'm sure it was Ronaldinho. Someone ridiculous was linked with uh, St. Mirren before. God, I'd love that. This him, would be incredible. Him teeing up Danny Mullen. <laughs> what, what would have happened if Ronaldinho had joined St. Mirren in 2001? Here we go, it's happening. How former St. Mirren manager Tom Hendry almost pulled off one of the most sensational transfers in the century. <laughs> As with all the teams, especially all those that we suspect will be down at the bottom, we're going to need the first few games to work out who good they are. But uh, I would suspect, even though Aberdeen will have had a knackering game away in Croatia. Is it hot in Croatia just now, Kieran? It is very hot in Croatia at the moment. There you go. So they've tended to be really quiet in the away game so far. But they did have a great away record last season, didn't they? Aberdeen. I think they were second in away. Uh, in their they, just, yeah. they hadn't table. bothered playing at Pataudry, they might have won the league. <laughs> this is the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven and JJ Bull. Time now for our weekly odds with Lee Price from Paddy Power. Lee, we love getting carried away on this podcast. And after his performance on the opening day, what are the odds of Ryan Christie winning Player of the Year in Scotland? <laughs> Well, it's certainly odds on to be a Celtic player, put it that way, but you could have told me that. Christie is the favourite at 6-1, to one, although, to be fair, it would be pretty stupid if he wasn't after that first game. Teammate James Forrest won it last year, and he's amongst the frontrunners, obviously. Personally, I still think Alfredo Morelos is worth a shout, but now I've said that on a pre-recorded segment, he's almost certainly going to have left, isn't he? <laughs> that would just be your luck, wouldn't it, Lee? Uh, moving on, Aberdeen look like they might be losing McKenna. But they've bought well this summer. Can the Dons break the top two again? Well, the short answer is no. The long answer is still no. Uh, we make it 11-2 to two that they topple Rangers and break into the top two, which does sound positive-ish, but it's put into context by another of our betting markets who will win the league without Celtic. And in that market, Aberdeen are a huge 10-1, to one, while Rangers are 1-16, to 16, which means you'd have to bet £16 just to win a single quid on Gerrard's men. Done deal, we think. We spoke last week about how St Johnston have been trapped in seventh for years now. Is there a chance they could be dragged into a relegation battle? Yeah, we think it might be more the same because we put them fifth in the betting to finish bottom, i.e. we expect them to finish seventh again. And perhaps appropriately, or maybe it's just laziness on our behalf, we make it seven to one that they get relegated. Unlikely. St Mirren are the favourites to go down ahead of Hamilton and Ross County. Then there's a bit of a gap until Livingston, and then it's St Johnson in our market. It's actually a much shorter price. They finish in the top six and get relegated. And finally, it's been a miserable few years for Brecon City. They started life in League Two with a home defeat. Could they suffer a third successive relegation? <laughs> I have to say, when I sent this one through to our traders, it did test our pricing system. Originally, the answer was no answer. But having looked into it, we go 5-2 to two that they suffer a third successive relegation. So far from odds on, but that's an incredibly short price given the situation. Speaking of League 2, Cove Rangers were promoted from the Highland League last season 
and were the pre-season favourites to win the division. It took them 90 minutes to go top of the table. It was a 5-0 victory against an Edinburgh City side that finished third last season. Two of those from striker Mitch Meganson, who joins us now. 5-0 a new opening day against a top side, Mitch. Was that beyond the wildest dreams of any of the players? Yeah, obviously it was a, it was a big week, uh, building up to it and, you know, building up to Cole's first ever game in, in the Scottish League. So it was a good crowd there. I think it helped that Aberdeen game was moved to Sunday, so it brought a lot of fans that maybe would have normally went to support Aberdeen. It boosted the numbers up and, you know, there was a great atmosphere. You could you could feel the buzz of the place getting near to kick off. And when the goals went in, they're obviously good when you get the back in and they're shouting for every foul. And, you know, that's that's the sort of games you want to be playing in week in, week out. It's a great start as well for Cove. Uh, four goals, well, for you specifically, actually. You've scored four now so far this season. 49 last season, so you must be absolutely full of confidence. You know, it is what it is. I'm a striker, I'm there to score goals, and I'm, I'm confident that I can do that at any level. Um, and it was good to get a brace on, on Saturday, albeit if it was a full match fitness, I think I might have had a couple more. But everyone keeps telling me. Uh, but no, it, it was a good start. And, you know, I'm looking forward to the season ahead. I'm, I'm there to try and chip in with some goals and keep the run going. And, you know, when you've got a quality team like we do and players about me, I think four goals, normally it's a bit further out of school. But I think all four goals total a, a yardage of about six yards. So, you know, these, these boys are putting on a plate for me and you know you've got to be there to put it in but they are make, making my life a bit easier A new manager in Paul Hartley the incredible experience he has in the Premiership and with Scotland what are his methods? Yeah no definitely I think obviously he's, he's come in and he's got his own methods and you know, he's, he's played at the highest level and managed in the, the Premiership so he knows what it's all about and you know his aim for the season is to be the fittest team you know work hard and, and sort of run for that full 90 minutes um, and I think that paid dividends on, on Saturday that I think we were a lot fitter than Edinburgh City. We can keep going for 90 minutes and, and press teams high up. And, you know, we are a football inside. We get the ball down and we build from the back and we try and play football. Um, but on the turn side, look, it's, it's not going to be our own way every game. We're going to have to adapt and, and play different styles. And we've got the boys to do that. You know, he's not had long to implement his style, but I think he, he's on the plus side that he's inherited a squad that has that winning mentality and has got that work ethic and, and passion about themselves. So it was just sort of implementing his own his own style and, and changing a few things the way he wanted to do it. But it's certainly worked so far and, and long may it continue. Mitch, the bookies had you as favourites to win League Two. So what's the talk like in the dressing room? Yeah, no, de- definitely from, from all sides. We were a bit shocked when, when that came out. I think from, from ourselves, it's certainly... Our, our first season in it's it's survival. We want to retain our status as a, a Scottish League club, and and that is the first day. That's what we spoke about when we came back for pre-season, and and that is the, the aim going forward. We have a team that is capable of beating anyone uh, that we feel. So, you know, if if we do sneak into the playoffs or go any further up, then then that's a bonus. Again, we'll see where that takes us nearer nearer the end of the season. On Spotify, smart speaker and podcast platforms everywhere, this is the Totally Scottish Football Show from Muddy Knees Media. Hearts v Ross County on Saturday. Ross County are loving life back in the Premiership so far. 3-0 winners at home to Hamilton. We said it last week, he scores when he wants. Billy Billy McKay! Lovely, lovely. Uh, Hopefully we can play that song again. And how did Hearts throw it all away against Aberdeen? 2-1 up. 
a stupid red card like we've said already and Craig Levine still not having the huge support True. of uh, Hearts But fans. I think there were more promising signs from Hearts in that game than I was anticipating. Absolutely, yeah. Based off the way last season ended, although they at least put in a performance in the cup final, even if they didn't win, and they haven't been great in the League Cup games either. Um, and then they went to go behind early on, and we were thinking things aren't looking great for Hearts. But I think it also underlined, we say this time and again, how important Naismith is to them. Because he came on and like scored. It's his first touch. He's immediately. just, just re signed for the club. And, yeah. and then from that moment on, between it going 1 1 and the sending off, I felt like Hearts were in the ascendancy and looking like the team that were going to score. They did score yeah, again. It's Naismith. Like... And it was lovely goals. Up. We joked last season about Ikpiezu ball and just, you know, humping it up to him. But the second goal, a brilliantly worked team goal, lovely pass by Ikpiezu, nice yeah. finish by Walker. Um, Naismith involved again because exactly. he, he takes time composure puts his foot in the ball turns his ball and I think that when he plays Ikpiezu combines more it's not just lump it up to him it's like you've got players in and around him and he can lay it off and then they can play a lot of the football Ikpiezu is going to be an important part as well as Naismith they've also brought in Connor Washington but now there's the story of Kyle Lafferty wanting a return to Tynecastle. He obviously left Hearts last season to go to Rangers, his old club, but his contract's been terminated. Would they want to take him back? Surely they can't after the way he ditched them before. I th- it wasn't so much the way he did. I mean, the, f- the way he left happens with loads of players, right? We're seeing it at the moment with McKenna that Aberdeen aren't particularly happy with him. You know, players, sure. players do force their way out. I think what really annoyed particularly the fans was quite soon after he left, Rangers won it. Tynecastle and like he was really giving it to the fans <laughs> What's that? And the, the players are still there like, a lot of the players are still there I mean it's I, don't, I wonder what that does stressing room having I mean it'd be good to speak to an actual player about that to see what that's like because it must, it must I, th- be I, th- I think players are realistic they know I mean we've talked to Greg Tansey in this show right and he was talking about players being commodities yeah. I think his story really hammers home how much I mean yeah. players get criticised for forcing their way to other clubs into a better pay packet or a more a longer term contract. But you see why, because you know, your career could be over an instant if you get an injury or like go through the trauma that, that Greg went yeah. through. Jimmy Walker's back scoring a goal, that's good. Yeah, exactly. Another player returning. Shooter's injured though, that's not good. No, but what's not good is uh Hart's Tetris pitch. <laughs> I tweeted earlier on this week, basically Hearts uh, had a concert at Tynecastle with the LA Philharmonic Orchestra uh, for the Edinburgh Festival. This is a, a million pound pitch to give you some context as well. But after this concert, the pitch looks a pretty, pretty bad uh, state of affairs. These, these are these like new pitches, so it'll be that it'll grow back because it's got uh, all this. I can't remember what the hell it's called, it's called like climate control or something like that. Um, hybrid, hybrid yeah, grass. grass. So it's they, they thread it right down like like twenty feet. I don't think I'm even exaggerating. Like below the soil. So when the when the grass grows through, it's twined with the with the material. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's how it grows back. And what they're doing just now is they're putting uh, these lights, and they cost uh, some stupid amount of money. I mean, like tens of thousands of pounds. And they have to try and sit them on top of the of the grass to help it grow. And because of the way that like, Tynecastle's built and the way that like, the stands are high, it'll be the you know, light won't come in at certain points. So they'll get light for from the sun at some point of it. Uh, lovely Edinburgh one, sun. One day a year. Well, and then they have to light it with these massive rigs. But like, um, I'm sure it's a good concert. Well, that's it. I, I, <laughs> They're playing all uh, uh, all movie songs. My friend was there. Oh, sent right, me a video of them playing the Star Wars theme. It was good. I'm just giving a special mention for Christopher Hutton because he didn't give a, give a good reply. Um, he basically said, that's the midfield. 
We don't play in the midfield. <laughs> <laughs> Ross County, by the way, yeah, uh, decent, could decent. Like, yeah, they could cause a bit of trouble. Hearts look good against Aberdeen, and you think they should do all right. But Ross County came out and were like well up for it. I think I was going to mention Ross County uh, when we were talking about uh, St. Martin earlier on because I think Ross County are a club with not a great budget who should be an example to other clubs when you look at fair enough they maybe messed it up a little bit the season they went down with the managerial change but it's a bit of an unusual system you know, to have joint managers but they're stuck by it it's been very successful mm-hmm. brought them back up and a great start and I think that in the same way that when there was a time where it was very difficult to get promoted out of the championship because you had Hearts, Hibs and Rangers there I think now is maybe not a bad time to be a lower club coming up because you look at Livingston and we say this every year but Hamilton and St Mirren that there's a good chance for you there to to stay up and stabilise yourself because you should be good enough to, to not go down Tonight in the Championship, Partick Thistle hosts Dundee United and the Jags have been all over the news this week. Thistle fan and friend of the show, Matt Greer, is here to tell us why. Matt, there's new ownership in town. Who are they and what's the problem? They own Barnsley and Nice, I'm told. Well, at the the moment, the takeover's not actually going through yet. So the old chairman, David Beattie, he's been reinstated. He resigned about a year ago, just after we get relegated. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's been a sort of boardroom coup where he's come in and replaced Jackie Lowe. I think four directors have come in with a view for the takeover to go through, which involves Chen Lee and his consortium, who own Neeson Barnsley. He's the relative success with Neeson Barnsley. He's got Barnsley out of League One and into the Championship. Nice have qualified for the Champions League. Uh, but I think the main concern with the fans is that Partick Thistle would turn into a feeder club for Barnsley with Barnsley sending out loan players to Partick Thistle. But that, that's the main concern. He doesn't invest too heavily in the football clubs either, although he's a very wealthy man. Part of the reports on this was that they've taken away Gary Coble's transfer budget. Um, but the board say they, they will honour that signed off by the previous board. But in order to do that, they're going to cancel the team buses. It's quite a strange one for us, but it's not so unusual for our division. Um, from Farhill to Alawa, it's only about a half-hour drive. Ian McCall was in Sports Sound this week. He said that when Air United, when they play Alawa, they drive. So it's not unusual for our, our division, mm-hmm. although it's quite unusual for us. So I wouldn't be surprised if the team buses were back for further away trips in Alawa, although it is a bit unusual for us, especially at this stage of the season. The more more kind of worrying one I saw is that Colin Weir, so the guy who won Euromillions, um, says he'll no longer be back in the club. And he would put money in, I think it's six million I read, towards the training ground. Uh, what's the situation with that now? Uh, yeah, well, he inv- he invested two and a half million into the youth academy, the women's team, and clearing the club debts. And he'd set aside six million for the training ground, which mm-hmm. is uh, that plan uh, originated a couple of years ago. And it's, sort of, it's been on hold. It's been very quiet, but I think that's totally shelved now. He's withdrawn his funding for that. In his statement, he said that was because the future of the club financially is unclear. He's unclear about what the intentions are of the current board and any new ownership coming in. So he doesn't feel like it's a safe investment at the moment. What's your hopes then for this season? What's, how are you feeling going into this new campaign? Uh, well, promotion was the, was the aim. Um, playoffs... But I think now, if we're not investing, it's it's hard to see us mount any sort of promotion challenge with the current squad we've got. We've got some good players, but we're a bit short up front, a bit short in wide attacking positions. So 
playoffs still, I think we're a bit off going up automatically. Playoffs, hopefully, and just avoid any relegation battle because last season was torture. Uh, more important than promotion to the Scottish Premiership, it was also a disappointing weekend for Partick Thistle because Kingsley missed out on uh, the world's best mascot, losing out narrowly to Gunnasaurus in the final. Disgrace. I mean, symbolic decision, if, if you ask me. Has there been mourning around Fairhill at the, the loss of a, a trophy? Well, there has, there has. You've never <laughs> seen Gunnasaurus in the huddle. <laughs> <laughs> Partick Thistle, Dundee United, Kenny Miller versus Lawrence Shankland. Kenny Miller's at Partick Thistle. Yeah. He's just keeping on going, bring, isn't he? Bring, <laughs> brings your dad jokes to like a whole new level. <laughs> well, uh, Kenny Miller turns 40 just before Christmas, and it's Shankland's 24th birthday tomorrow. Shankland, isn't that nice? Happy birthday to you, Lawrence Shankland. Has already started as. I mean, quite often when these transfers happen, People just assume that you know he, he was banging in the goals for air, so he'll get Dundee United up, and it doesn't necessarily work that way. Yeah. But so far, he's going to get them up, isn't he? Yeah, he's got 24 goals for yeah. air, and he got four goals in his league debut at Tannadice last Saturday. So, yeah, he's 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 the real deal at this level, at least. Well, it looks like Dundee United has signed well. Mm. Um, again, they've got to come up this year. Three seasons at this level yeah. now. Yeah. I, mean, I think Robbie Nielsen came in about halfway through last season and sorted them out, got them into second, but not, I mean, didn't have enough time to catch Ross County. I mean, I hope that they've at least spent the whole summer just practising penalties after like, the most ridiculous shootout <laughs> I think I've ever seen. Um, oh, yeah, that was... Yeah, but yeah, fantastic. they shouldn't have to, to rely on the, the playoffs this year. They've been a pretty heavy favourites, I would imagine, to to go up, particularly the way they've started. And yeah, I'm trying to think who else would, would really be rival. I mean, maybe Dundee, but with Nielsen as the manager who's already got hearts up and has experienced that division then Dundee Dots has been cancelled this <laughs> speaking well, of Park Thistle though because Slavin was telling me the other day they got some message some messages I got this amazing message um, this week from Svein Arneson um, apologies Svein if you're listening to this and I'm pronouncing your name incorrectly um, there will be another one coming up he's a Thistle fan from Iceland and he said he heard us talking about Airboss Ian McCall Svein says McCall played five times for my hometown club FH Half Nardverder in 1996. I think that's actually pretty spot on. Is that pretty good? Thanks, <laughs> well, yeah, thanks very much. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he trained Sven uh, for a short period of time when McCall was a player uh, in that in that region. So it's true. McCall had stints in Hong Kong and Iceland at the end of his playing career before he became Clyde Bank manager. He's also from Dumfries, Ian McCall. He slagged me off once because I was wearing like a. Uh, an Everton top uh, playing five-a-side once um, and he was like why aren't you wearing Queen of the South tops because he was Queen of the South manager at the time but thank you Sven anyone who's got really interesting stories uh, like Sven's uh, please tweet us at the Totally Show if you've been coached by a manager in the SPFL or anything interesting that we can talk about it's a good laugh or JJ if, you, if you've ever been managed by JJ <laughs> I'd be quite interested to uh... oh god I've not coached anyone yet just uh, people on that course you can, you can also message us individually if you want and we'll insult the other ones I would, lo- I would love it if like all his pontification on the podcast and Y Scout and all the rest of it if JJ's management style was just you know lump it up to the big lad the big lad up top <laughs> <laughs> route one JJ it's definitely far too complicated on that JJ note... Ball <laughs> JJ Ball sounds quite good actually but on the note of, the, of uh, sending the stuff on the Totally the totally Show there's also there's a new website up on Muddy Knees Media 
media, the totallyfootballshow.com, there's a segment called The Match. And the first one that's going up there is focusing on Celtic's 6-2 win over Rangers in 2000. It was Martin O'Neill's first old firm derby. Which is famous because it's where Henrik Larsson did that chip. Over Stefan Kloss. Yeah, so like in the same way that like when you go and chip someone, you know, there's like the, the Suka or the Podorski scoop. Or you've got the, the Larson chip. Yeah, exactly. Same like the, the canoe flick, you know, the one. Exactly. You know what I mean when I say the, it, right? The, the, oh, yeah. The, the, it's it, one it, of Larson's most iconic goals because he was just coming back from breaking his leg as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, it was, I think it was the fourth game into that season. Well, yeah, and it really sort of, it was a changing of the guard because Rangers had dominated the previous couple of seasons and that yeah, set uh, Celtic on the way. I'm looking forward to, to, to reading it. There will be more articles about all the teams in Scotland. We don't just focus on Celtic and Rangers around here. You're listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power. So Hamilton, let's speak about them. They're up against Kilmarnock on Saturday and Kilmarnock can take some encouragement from the second half performance against Rangers. They can take uh, encouragement from how absolutely useless Hamilton were yeah, well, yeah. in the previous game. So, I mean, they should be gone. Delete. Delete them <laughs> after that game. So the second half kickoff is Hamilton's kickoff, and this is the worst... And it's loads of hyperbole in this show, but my God, right? So Hamilton kick it off. You know, it's it's you can just do it with one person out. There's two there, so it rolls. One person runs off. Everyone's ready to steam into the other half and get shelled the ball. And it gets tackled on the on the center spot. And Ross County are on the counter. It's not even tackled. The, the player just, just takes it. the ball away. He's just leave, like standing there, and it comes in, and Ross County break, and then win a foul about 25 yards from goal. It's proper amateur. And the kickoff. It's proper. It's proper amateur. Yeah. You showed it to me earlier on. I hadn't and seen it yet. Johnny Hunt as well. It's bad. Another example. So left wing back Johnny Hunt caught on the ball. It, it looks really amateur. So I don't know. If there's this bereft of confidence. I don't know what's happened. I mean, they're already already down at this point. But Hunt just gets just pushed off the ball for uh, I think I think it's um, Kenny's first or second goal. I can't remember which one it is. But he's just standing on the ball. Gets just this push to the floor. Has nothing about him, and it could be a long, 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 long season. I also think this would be a good um, test for Kilmarnock because, so after the disaster that was Connors Key, weirdly, I thought playing Rangers in the first weekend of the season wasn't a bad game for them because they would have to play a similar style to how Steve Clark played. Yeah. And so there'd be still the sort of muscle memory there for them. Whereas the Connors Key game, when they really messed it up, was when even at 1 0 down on the night but still going through on the tie they just kept going and attacking and left themselves open to the counter-attack I mean they still should have definitely not lost to Connors Key but they seemed to struggle to adjust to that system of trying to go for the game they were much better in the second half of the Rangers game where they did make some changes and went for it a bit more that was promising particularly how I think expectations completely dived after that Connors Key game in terms of what we can expect from Kilmarnock this season that maybe it won't be a disaster. I mean, I still, they won't be anywhere near a third, I don't think. I think what Steve Clark did was like too miraculous that even if he'd stayed, they wouldn't have I got third again. I think that's the consensus of everyone, though, isn't it? Like, but I don't also don't think they'll be you know fighting relegation. But I think this will be an interesting test for them to see if they can adjust and in a game where they should be on the front foot, how they do it. But then it's like there was two... The goals went in were both set pieces. I think Clark had them a mix of zonal and man set pieces... And Alessio had them. I think they had two on the on the six yards zonal, which are basically like post markers, and the rest man to man. And so then Stuart Finley got beaten by Catch's really clever bit of movement. All man to man, honestly, you can see that they're losing their men. And like the people at Broadfoot, the last goal, if it hadn't gone in, they should have had a penalty. 
I mean, as Brian Rice has alluded to, they'll go down if they don't. Sh if they show that same sort of lack of fight. But I wonder if it's the lack of fight meant to be a lack of ability. Well, you saw when Brian Rice came in last season, his biggest thing was trying to bring enthusiasm to the camp and, and, and trying to instill some confidence. What I'm hoping from Hamilton this season is that so the past number of seasons they've been largely very poor, but also very dull to watch. Whereas this season. They'll probably still be poor, but they oh, might be yeah, yeah. a bit more entertaining. Certainly with Brian Rice towards the end of last season, they were. If they play like that, they will be pummeled quite a few times, like they were at Ross County, by even better teams in Ross County. But they might also get enough wins to do a Hamilton and, uh, <laughs> and somehow hang around for another but, season. Yeah, as we were saying last week, exactly. Uh, they'll, find, they'll find a way. They'll find a way. Well, finally, St. Johnson versus Livingston, which is um, a two o'clock kickoff on Saturday because the women's tour of Scotland is passing through Perth. <laughs> as in cycling tour? Yeah, the cycling tour. Is. Yeah, it's the cycling tour. Um, tour of Scotland? It's a cycling tour, is it? It's, it's a cycling tour. I'll yeah. say it again. It's a cycling tour. And you My prediction go. is that there will be more goals in the Tour of Scotland than there will be at St Johnston versus Livingston. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, listen, uh, St Johnston hit the skids last Saturday, and the they, Saturday before that, the they'll Saturday have been before. absolutely yeah. like done in, in the changing room. Yeah, they will go nuts. They're already out the Bedford Cup, um, and for Tommy Wright, he needs something from his players. Well, you think the first thing would be to not concede. That's what they were very good at last season. You don't concede and you can get a goal, you can defend it. That's what they were great at last season. Not great to watch. As a, a little stat courtesy of Stefan Minkowski, who's obviously a, a friend of the podcast, St. Johnson's expected goals at Celtic was 0.02. And I'm going to guess that that was the Scott Bain turn because there was the slightest chance that that would go wrong <laughs> and it didn't. But that was about as close as St. Johnson game to... Uh, it's, it's weird how St. Johnson it's just like so I, I thought they look like it's one game right so they might they may actually be fine they might actually be okay well, even they, though they don't have any strikers they lost their opening game last season as well oh, exactly and, and, it's the yeah, first game so, of the season it's fine uh, Livy drew 0-0 against Motherwell uh, a lot of people picked out Amen Suda yes. um, as, as quite an impressive did you see his bicycle kick player. yeah inside the area that had gone in more of that, please. Ooh. More of that. If you if you attempt a bicycle kick, even in defence, you've won the moral victory of the match. Maybe this is how Gary Holt <laughs> is how Gary Holt progresses in the way that Livingston view. play. So he's going to combine the sort of hitting it long from the goalkeeper to the final third by bringing in some skill and flair and uh, beautiful football. By the first kick goes to the goalkeeper to the forward who bicycle kicks it, and then I would be all in for that. That's not going to happen very often. No? My prediction is that oh, Livingston well. are going to be extremely dull to watch this season. Livy? Yeah. I, I also wonder from just from what we've seen of Gallagher and Halkett at their new clubs, which has been quite impressive. Yeah, Halkett was decent, yeah. Um, if they're going to struggle even more than... I mean, we knew they were good, spine, they were, really, they were good like players Hulk, for yeah. them, but yeah, they could really struggle to, to replace them. I think they'll be... They were down there fighting with the, the Hamilton and St Mirren well, we said combo this. of doom. We did say this last season that and Livingston surprised everyone, yeah. but it's a tough one to call. I think this is these are two teams that are really looking to try and find some some, some sort <laughs> in the second oh game God. of the season. 
<laughs> is that where we're at? Yes. That's where we're at. Oh my God. That's all we've got time for. Thank you to JJ. Thank you to Kieran. And thanks to the Little Kicks again from Aberdeen who provided our lovely theme song. And thanks a lot for you for listening. We really appreciate it. We love you. And thanks to Charlie for making the show. Uh, who? <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back next Friday before the last 16 of the League Cup. East Fife take on Rangers. Nice. Keep tuned for that one. Yeah, see you then. You've been listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddynewsmedia.com. Keep up to date with everything across our Totally Football Network at The Totally Show on Twitter. And make sure you check out our brand new website too, thetotallyfootballshow.com.